John, thank you for being with us. My pleasure, Zion. Really appreciate it, yes. and I'm excited. Thank you. I know that you do this quite a lot, so. Oh well, no, no, no. <clears throat> I think you're getting ahead of yourself. I don't do this as often as you might think I do. Oh, so right. you owe me a big favour. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. I'll give you something. I'll give you a gift. I'll take you for a drink. Yeah. Um, look, I want to ask you a few questions. And, you know, you, a, a lot of WA know your story. Uh, I want you to tell us something different about yourself that, that we might not know. Okay. So you're going to get a bit provocative, are you? If that's okay. This will, this will be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so go ahead, John. What is something that we don't know about? Might be a hobby might be something that you like to do but anything something that most uh, most people out there Don't, would not know would not about know me many people know about your story how you built uh, this business um, but could be a, a hobby that no one knows about maybe you like juggling <laughs> maybe you like to watch a, a certain soap opera maybe you like the color pink well I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to sound pretty boring now because <coughs> My life is pretty well open, um, yep. and it really revolves around the business and the family, and that's really all there yeah. is. Probably what a lot of people wouldn't know is that I have no other interest. I don't play golf, I don't play bridge, I don't race horses, I don't play bowls. Yeah. The thought of gardening would fill me with dread, <laughs> hands and knees plucking away. <laughs> really? <laughs> Um, I love him. Haven't got a property at Margaret River. Yeah. Uh, don't go fishing. Don't drink with the boys. What else do you do? Yeah. So, um, so what else is there about me? Um, I I exercise. Maybe oh, yeah. not too many people know that. I drink uh, a reasonable amount of alcohol. Not a lot of people. A lot of people <laughs> think that I'm a teetotaler. I'm far from that. Uh, what else don't they know about me? Um, I'm I'm very. I tell you what, most people would not know. I'm really, deep down, a very private person. Mm. Now they see me on television, or you might see me, hear me on radio, very outgoing, very uh, extroverted. Well, I can be, as the occasion requires, but deep down, I'm a very private person. I, I mean, I, I love my own space. I could very easily, I love my wife dearly, I love my family, but I mean, I could easily live alone because well. uh, I think, Trouble is today, not a lot of people have enough private space. Mm. You know, you need sometimes to get into your box and just be left alone. Yeah. That's why some guys, I sell cars to older people. I say, what do you do for a hobby? Oh, I'd go down the back in the shed. I say, in the shed? In the shed? What do you do in the shed? Oh, I make things. I mean, I don't think it's the fact that they're making things. I think it's the fact that they just mm. want to be on their own. That's why I think there's a lot of uh, solitude in being a long distance runner, because yeah. you can be on your own, no interruptions. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really a very private person. So you're private, but you appear to be extrovert, um, and you have this, you're really good at storytelling. So John, John came to the CCI lunch uh, the other week and told a bunch of stories, everyone loved it, and, and you've been on TV for years, right? How did you, like, were you born with this gene to entertain? Did you have to train no, yourself? No, no, no. I don't, seriously, I don't regard myself as an entertainer. I do feed off people. Uh, you get a buzz, particularly if you're, if you're standing up addressing 150, 200 people. Uh, that, that's, that really, get, that's adrenaline pumping, and that, that charges you up. I love, com I love coming into the, into the yard and, and selling cars and chatting to people and... Mm 
getting a photo taken and seeing them drive away with a smile on their face. I, I respond to that. Yeah. But it, I wasn't born like that at all. No, in fact, when I grew up, I was rather shy and reserved. And it didn't help that in my younger days, I used to stutter and stammer somewhat. So, you know, I was a bit... And I, God forbid, I shouldn't say that, I suppose, but God forbid, I nearly became an accountant. And if it weren't for the, weren't for the fact that I was a few days late, I could have been a school teacher. Wow. Wow, yes. Wow. <laughs> wow. So talking about your childhood, so what were you like as a child? Well... Were you active? Were you naughty? Were you mischievous? No, you... I, was, uh, I was fairly well... I was very well behaved. We, I was born in Beaconsfield, and in those days, that part of, that part of Perth was what <clears throat> the economists would, would call a low socio-economic demographic. What it meant was we we're all bloody poor. We had no money. Yes, yeah, so he had no money. Yeah, and uh, when my father, when my father uh, came back from the war, we moved from Beaconsfield to East Fremantle in a war service home, and I shared a very small bedroom with two other brothers, and the, the toilet was out the back. It was very basic. So when I grew up, I didn't really know what I wanted to be, but I surely knew what I did not want to be. And I wanted to be better, not knocking my parents at all, but I wanted to be better than the environment in which I grew up. Mm. And that was my challenge. That was my spur, if you like, the, the burr in the saddle to get you going. Uh, I wonder, you know, children who are brought up in middle class affluence, if that's the word, or middle class surroundings. I wonder today where they get their challenge from, because it was easy for me. My challenge was to be better mm. than what I was, to, be, to get more than what I had. But uh, I was quietly determined. I wasn't outgoing particularly. I, wasn't, uh, I, wasn't, I was uh, one of the quieter boys in the class at school. I was probably the hardest worker, not the smartest, not the most intelligent, but um, I really, I had a good work ethic that I got from very young. And where I got that from, I'm really not sure. Mm. Possibly my mother. My mother was very frugal. I can remember, I still remember my mother. I would have been six or seven or eight or nine years of age. She'd go shopping and in the kitchen table, which was a red laminated table, I could still see her. She'd sit there and she'd have the shopping bag full of the groceries and she'd have the docket and the pencil. And you, you wet the pencil and you pick up a pound of butter and she'd check it on the docket and tick it. And then she'd pick up the, the <laughs> bread, check it on the docket. And one day, I remember, she discovered half a penny, a halfpenny. I don't know what that is today, a cent or something. Wow, straight up the shop, straight away. You're a half, half a penny out. That was frugal because we had no money. Yeah. So that was a memory. So, yeah, growing up um, reasonably quiet but very determined and yeah. very disciplined and always been a hard worker. Yeah. So do you, do you look at our generation and the generation even before me and think, wow, they're pretty soft? No, I don't. No, I don't. I'm, uh, I... Because I would. Yeah. Especially no, if I were you. No, no, no. see, on, um, I don't, because I tell you why. The younger people today have got a lot of different challenges than what I had. Life yeah. was very simple and uncomplicated then. You talk, just take one, for example, drugs, for example. No such things. Drug never existed as such. Mm. So we never had quite the challenges that they've got today. I'm a great admirer of young people. I really am. 
I think maybe they spent too much time doing this, but, um, you know, the, the young people today, look, if John Hughes at 21 yeah. came in to me today for a job, I probably wouldn't give him one. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's how things have advanced. Yeah. No, uh, I've got a lot of young people working with me. They're my oxygen, my lifeblood of the future. Yeah. And I get a great pride. Is that the right word? Yes, it is. I get a great pride out of bringing young people in, training them up and seeing them develop into senior positions in the company. Or they leave and then compete with me. I mean, that sometimes I created my own opposition. But no, I, I like that. Yeah. No, I, I've got a lot of time for young people today. Sure, sure, there are downsides. A lot of them... A lot of them don't possibly have the goal. They're not quite prepared to roll their sleeves up and get into it as yeah. we were forced to and as we had to. But maybe there's a better and a simpler way of doing it. I, I don't know that I'm quite qualified to judge that, except to say I don't knock young people. Uh, in mm. fact, in many cases, I admire them. So <clears throat> on development, because you talked about development and training, do you, like, throughout your life, how did you train yourself to be a good public speaker, a good businessman? Good, like, did you, did you? All read? right. Well, there's two two questions there. First of all, a good a good public speaker. I went and did a Dale Carnegie course, one of uh, the very first that ever came to Western yeah. Australia. Uh, the chap that I was working with at the time, Peter Young, we were in the car business together. He was was his family business. He was mm. the boss. I was the manager. We did uh, one of the very early Dale Carnegie courses. Huh. I'll never forget that. It was who's next in the ready chair and the memory pegs, how to, how to memory. Um, but, and they used to have pens at the end of the night for the best speech and whatever. I, I enjoyed that, that was challenging. But I got, I got learning, I got practicing public speaking with Dale Carnegie and when I was about 21, 22. And then what happened, I'd run, as we got bigger and bigger and expanded, I'd run, I was always running my own sales courses, yep. sales training, and, and and it grew from there. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I must have given, oh, I reckon I've given about 600 addresses publicly and sales meetings, oh, many, many, many yeah. thousands. So, Practiced. Um, yeah, practice. So, I mean, I'm, I'm good on my feet. And one a piece of advice I'll give to someone who may have a problem with public speaking. Mm. Um, particularly if you get overwhelmed by the number of by the number in the audience, say you've got two hundred people out there. I always think to myself, and you should think to yourself when you're doing it. Hey, I'm up here, and they're down there. Mm. Now, if they knew what I knew, if they were as good as I am, they'd be up here, and I'd be down there. <laughs> but I'm not. I'm up here. So keep your place. I'm up here. <laughs> and the second thing is, you're not talking to two hundred people. You're talking to one person 200 times over. Don't be overwhelmed by the number. They haven't got one collective mind. They don't all get together afterwards and collectively say he was this or he was that. Each one has their own opinion of you. Each one will take on board what you're saying. So you're talking to one person, mm. not 200. So and I find that simple. Now, your second question was business. Um, if someone had said to me at the age of 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, even 30, that I would be, I would finish up where I am today, I would have been, uh, I probably would have shook my head and said no, um, because I've done better than I ever really expected that I would, but it's a natural advancement. You just, yeah. as, you, as you go on, as you get more experience, you improve, 
and I never pronounce A-G-E or O-L-D, but as you mature, you get better. If you don't get smarter, and I'll say it this time, if you don't get smarter as you get older, it makes you stupid. <laughs> do, you, do you do any reading, John? Nor have I had a mentor. People yeah. often say, John, who was your mentor? No. Somebody asked me the other day, might have been at that actually, CCI. It was me. Did you ask that question? I put that question in. Well, you put me on the spot a bit. The question <laughs> was, let me get it right. The question was, uh, John, who do you admire most yeah, in I, business, I was it? Or in the world or somebody? Yeah, three. Or top admire, three. Who are the top three? I didn't give you, you one, did I? You didn't say anything. I think you said yourself. Joke. No, joking. No, I didn't. I, no, you I didn't say that. You yeah. said, I don't really have a mentor. I don't no, respect I don't, people. No, but no. Yeah. yeah. I still don't. Yeah. There's a lot of successful business people that don't have mentors. So I'm not, yeah, I'm not yeah, surprised. No, I never had a mentor. Your mentor is yourself. Yeah. Your mentor is your experience. You yeah. Know, you you yeah. learn from your experiences, as I've said earlier. That's yeah. your mentoring. Yeah. It's a school, a school of hard knocks, as they say. Yep. Where does your self-esteem come from, John? Because personally, Success. I... Success. Yeah. Success. And it builds... Sorry, builds. I interrupted you. You were going to say? Oh, yeah, because um, when I was younger, um, I used to talk into the mirror and talk about how great I thought I was, but that actually helped. My dad actually taught me to do that. Did you ever do anything similar to that or? No, but course, I like you know, that. Did you self-talk when you were younger? No, um, I, I, uh, or was it like a natural progression? I, oh, look, I was always, I was very competitive. If I were going for a position yep. and there were only two candidates, you and me, yeah. there is no way in the world it was going to be you. Yeah. Right? Okay. So competitive, <laughs> I mean, look, have you heard, who ran second in last year's Melbourne Cup? Who cares? I don't know. <laughs> what about, uh, where's, uh, where's the commission on the sale you almost made? Yeah. What about the two salespeople who meet for a beer at five o'clock one Friday? One guy said to the other, how did you go? Oh, he said, I had a very good week. I made a lot of very good contacts. The other guy turned to him and said, yes, he said, I didn't sell anything either. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So you've got to bring things to conclusion. Um, no, I got, look, I made a lot of mistakes when I was younger, a lot of mistakes in business, but I learned from those mistakes and I used them as, sounds a bit corny, but it's not, stepping stones on the way up. Sometimes I had to take a few steps down. Once I came crashing down, if I were, if I were at that stage, 70% up the ladder, I went down to about ladder number one and I had to start climbing up again until yeah. I made some bad decisions. But I learned from that. Yeah. You, you were really good friends from what I understand with the late Alan Bond. Uh, what was your relationship with him like? Were you close? Yeah. As close as you could get to Alan, particularly in his later days because yeah. Alan married uh, Eileen, my cousin, and a lot of people think Eileen's my sister. She's not as my cousin, but we're very <laughs> close. Alan was... He was remarkable. Um, he had his had his issues, no doubt about that. That's all public. I'm not going to talk mm. about that. But he was, for sheer self confidence, I've never met anybody like him. When he left school at 14, he couldn't spell very well and couldn't put a letter together very well. But my goodness me, he, he had oh, strength and you know. uh, no, I knew Alan extremely well. But as as he got on, unless. He got to the stage where, I'm, I'm serious about this, <clears throat> in a discussion with Alan, we'd go around there for dinner or for lunch, we did that regularly. If you could, unless you could put a couple of noughts on the end of the discussion, he was up there. He was, I mean, he was there, <laughs> we were down here. He, he got, he got, and he really, he, I'm not saying he lost control, but he got, 
Yeah. He got way out of proportion to reality because he was, I mean, look at what did he own? Channel Nine, Swan Brewery, uh, yeah. Telephone Company in Chile, all of those things. And it's hard to keep your feet firmly on the ground when you're at that level. Do you think he was a genius? In his own way, he was. Yeah, he was. That's a hard word to define, genius. He wasn't born a genius. Yeah. And he certainly wasn't a genius, you know, in terms of um, you know, IQ yeah. or anything like that, but a genius in terms of structuring a deal and getting it done. Yeah. Against all odds, I yeah. must say. Yeah. yeah. So, John, tell us about your favourite uh, car of all time. Do you have one? Can I talk about my first car? Is that what you want? Yeah, if that's your favourite Well, it was favorite my favourite because the only car I had was £125,000, I think they were. It was a 1936 Austin 10. Little yeah. little four door boxy thing. I had one window winder handle because in those days you wound the windows up. I could only afford one. Only came with one. So when my scrubby mates in the back would say, John, pass the community window winder handle, I'd take it off and they'd put their windows up and I'd put it back <laughs> on again. I remember once, it's a tiny little car. Yeah. I remember once I had myself, four, three or four mates, and a five gallon keg in the back seat. I mean, that was pretty special. Well. I think they were all hunched up like this. Um, Favourite car? Yes. Yeah, I remember when I first started in the business, we traded in a 1956 Plymouth Fury convertible mm. and it had to change the gears, automatic <coughs> gears. Wasn't that, wasn't this. They were push buttons on the dashboard. <laughs> oh, I love that. You push the button and you sit down low with the big wheel and the big fins and, oh, God. <laughs> Wow, I love that. <laughs> yeah, um, I want to talk a bit more about business and marketing. Actually, I want to talk about that. When you see everything that's happening with social media and, and the internet and all that, how do you feel? Does it scare you? Is it like, yeah, just something else that I've got no, to it deal scares with? Me. Yeah, it scares me because yeah. I don't understand it. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, frivolously, I'll say this: I've had a computer bypass, but it's true. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I'm grappling with that. Yeah. I'm very good at selling to the over 40s. Yep. They still hopefully read newspapers. Yeah. And uh, 49 years in Victoria Park, looking after people, doing the right thing, being honest and fair mm. dealing. All that, all that I've done, building up a reputation. It doesn't seem to mean a lot to the under 40s today. I mean, they all look at this and push buttons and yeah. everything's coming down to the lowest common denominator, which yeah. is price. And the trouble is, I think the computer is teaching Everybody knows the price of everything mm. and the value of nothing. Yep. Where's value today? Is it all about price? Mm. What about service and backup and confidence and integrity? What about all that? But I've got to address it and I am addressing it. We've got a team, a team. We've got four people in a digital marketing environment and we're into Facebook and Twitter and, and all the others. Um, and we're, we're working hard on that to, to get to the younger generation. But it's a challenge for me. And the computer is a real problem yep. because, as I say, uh, it's very easy now to get down to the lowest price. And that, and that was my next question. Like, what, what has been the biggest challenge for you in business overall? Is it that, that disruption? Absolutely that. Wow. Uh, we're, holding our, we're holding our numbers up, fortunately, but the margins are taking yeah. a battering. You know? yeah, yeah. And the trouble is... You know, you've got a product, in my case cars, but anyone else out there in retail, you've got a product 
it's been around a while and you reduce the price, you reduce mm. the price until you're just about down to cost. Sometimes you might even be below cost. Yep. And people still come in expecting that's the trading margin. Now we start from there and they don't seem to understand yeah. that prior to the computers, you'd have a margin and you could negotiate. With, with online now, it's, it's very hard and we, sometimes we've got to say, I'm sorry. But, but you know, Mr. Hughes, I bought, this is my fourth or fifth car from you. I expect to get a better deal. And indeed, you, you should expect. But how can I? I'm down to cost price. What do I do? Yeah, it's not what it, 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 that, it That's the biggest challenge for anyone in retail today. And it's very hard to overcome. Only way, only way you can overcome this is to in, push up your volume. <laughs> that's easy to say. How do you mm. do that? Or reduce your cost. Well, what are your costs? Your, your, prime, your three main costs are rent. You can't do much about that if you need premises to operate from, unless you want to operate from home. Mm. Your next cost is staff. Okay, you can, you've got to pay reasonable wages. And you've, got to have a, you've got to have a minimum number of staff there to give your customers the level of service that they expect from me. And the third one is marketing. And you can't cut that too far, otherwise nobody comes in. So you're really, you're in a bind. Yeah. So what you've got to try and do is just to maintain the volume and just keep operate on lower margins and try and keep your volume up. What's your favourite thing in business? Is it negotiating, selling? Is it um, cash flow management, staff management? Selling. Selling, yeah. I'm a, I'm a salesman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, we're all in selling. I don't we care are. whether you're a doctor, a lawyer, a dentist, a school teacher, a professor at university. We're all in the selling or servicing business. And people, I spoke about that. People yeah. forget that. Yeah. We're in the people business. Yeah. And my best, I, I love coming to work. And if you love what you do, you never have to go to work. But I love Saturday mornings. So I get out of the office more, the phone doesn't ring so much. And I go around and I close deals and meet and greet people and pour coffees and wipe the table. And I love it. <laughs> you love yeah, it. Yeah, I love it. It's like your, it's your hobby. It's my hobby. You're living your hobby. And yeah. fortunately, the hobby and how fortunate money. am I? You know, I can, I can be in a hobby that I love and hopefully, you know, get a bit off the end of it all. Is that what you think about? Even during the night, do you think about? Business? Oh yes, oh yeah, because yeah. I'm oh, that way yeah. Too, yeah. Yeah, I'd sell, uh, I'd sell between 150 and 200 cars every night yeah. in bed. And does it matter? <laughs> I wish. Does it matter what the product is? Could you? No, actually, absolutely. Yeah, it doesn't make any. About, it doesn't matter yeah, what it is. Business I just business. happen to be in the car business. It could be in anything else, hospitality, anything. Yeah. So, one of my questions was if if you could be in a profession that's outside of your own, right? Outside of being a business owner, what would it be? business owner. <laughs> I, uh, really, I would have been a lawyer in my younger days had I had we had the money, but I couldn't afford it. Hmm. Um, I would, at one stage, a long time ago, I seriously considered politics, but only if I felt I could have made a difference, and I'm not sure the way government is geared today or democracy is geared today where you, one person can really make a difference. Even if you're the prime minister, you're hamstrung. You know, hard yeah. to get a clear majority. Look what's happening in Italy. I mean, they've never yeah. they've never had a clear cut government in whatever it is, 50 years or so. You can't run a country like that. Yeah. And uh, it's a bit like that in Australia, unfortunately. So I would have loved to have been a politician. I would have loved the cut and the thrust, the, the interviewing, you know, Mr. Hughes, what do you think of this? I would have loved that. Yeah. Uh, alternatively, what else would I like to be? Um, no, I just, yeah. nothing better than what I'm doing. So John, um, how do you, or how did you raise your kids? Were you quite strict? Did you have certain values that you, you pushed into them? I was strict in terms of 
etiquette. I was strict in terms of what they could and couldn't eat or drink. Mm. Uh, no junk food, no, no sugary drinks and things like that. Um, I very much believed in leading by example, as I do in my business. I applied that at home. I gave them a reasonably free reign, in, in fact, a very free reign in what they wanted to do or be when they left school. Didn't yep. put any influence on them at all. Uh, didn't suggest that they be in the business or recommend they or even enforce they be in the business. Didn't push them in any one direction. I was a great believer, still am, and rightly or wrongly, uh, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, that water finds its own level. And I wanted them of their own volition to find their own level. Yeah. And, and that's what they've done. But um, always there, the leader, yeah. you know, give a guiding hand and, and help put them in the right direction. But good manners, good manners, politeness. I'm old school and I'm, I'm proud of it. Yeah. Did you um, focus much on grades, on schooling, or was it more about the character, character building? Or both, both? both grades were important because it's a measure of success, yep. but it wasn't slash their wrists if, uh, if they did badly. <laughs> uh, we, we, got, we had help with them with tutoring. I did my best. <coughs> Uh, I did my best to help them with homework, not, not very successfully as they got up a bit, it all lost me a bit. No, uh, a combination of both, but I wasn't over the top with it. Yeah. Yeah. So John, what's, what's next for the Hughes franchise? Have you got big plans to do something? Or? Well, I told you earlier that I nearly went under uh, quite some years back and I did. Mm. And the mistake that I made was I expanded too quickly and delegated too loosely. And there's a law, I studied at school or university, the law of diminishing returns, which really means, if I've got it right, and in layman's terms, the further you are away from your core business, the less your return becomes. Um, yeah. A chap used to work for me once, he had a red rooster store in one of the country towns, it was going very well, going well enough that he opened another one on the outskirts of town that wasn't going so well. So then he had to spend time away from his mm. core business onto the one that wasn't going well. The one that was going well didn't go well. So he finished up with two businesses that weren't going well. That's the law of diminishing returns. So because I got scorched before with expanding too quickly and delegating too loosely, I'm now stuck in Victoria Park by choice. Yep. I, mean, I could be at Wangara, I could be down in Melville or Rockingham or Mandurah. Uh, but I'm here and I want to be able to walk around my place in 10 or 15 minutes, totally encompass it, encapsulate it in what I do. Would I look at other opportunities? Yes, I would. But a lot of people ring me or contact me about involvement in various things. I had one mm. this morning. And I always say to them, and they, they get a bit taken aback and they don't quite understand. When they give me a proposition about something, I say, tell me, has it got four wheels on it? Oh, well, no, Mr. Hughes, it hasn't got four wheels. Well, I'm sorry, I'm not interested. Yeah. Unless it's something that I know if it doesn't go well, I've got the time and the expertise to go in and fix it. Anything outside of that, I'm very, very good at what I do. I'm not much good at anything else. Yeah, you're laser focused, yep. which is good. Uh, so final question, sorry, John. If you were, if, if the 21 year old John Hughes came up to you and said, look, I want to learn everything. I, I want to be really successful in business. I'm ambitious. Give me advice. What would you say to him? What are, the, what are the top things you'd say? Do the hard yards. Don't expect to immediately jump into middle management to the middle or the top. Start at the bottom of the, of the ladder. Work hard. Do the things that your contemporaries don't do. If the, if the job starts at 8 o'clock, get there a quarter to 8. 
if they have an hour for lunch, you have half an hour. If they knock off at 4.30, you knock off at 5 o'clock. If, you, if you've got a job and it's finished by mid-afternoon, you go to the boss and say, Mr. Boss, whatever, I've finished that job, can you give me another one? Um, be, be ambitious, be hardworking, be very positive and say no to people who encourage you or want you to be involved in things that you don't want to do. One thing I was when I was younger, I was very good at saying no, no that doesn't suit me, like I've never had a cigarette in my, li in my life because all my mates at 15 and 16 were, you know, being big men and smoking. I thought, well, if I've got to do that to show I'm grown up and sophisticated, there's got to be a better way. Yeah. So I never did. Yeah. So be very quick to say no to things you don't want to do. Don't be easily led. Be a, be a leader, not a follower. Thanks very much, John. It was a pleasure. Oh.